Let's open up to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 are probably two of the most important verses in the whole Bible. That's why it's been a blessing to be able to kind of slow down and to be able to look at these verses in depth. You know, being a Christian is not that complicated. There are some basics about being a Christian that that we need to learn, though, that we need to get a good grip on. And, you know, there's a lot of verses in the Bible. There's a lot of books and chapters and different places that you can be. But, you know, I really want to just encourage you and I want to challenge you and just to exhort you to know that these two verses right here, you, you got to really know them and you got to really know how to apply them to your life. You know, Romans chapter 1 all the way through chapter 11 is really chapters about doctrine. They teach us that you, we were sinners in need of a savior, that we were all guilty before God. They teach us, as you study Romans chapter 1 through 11, that salvation is by grace alone, by faith alone, by Christ alone, that it's only by His blood that we're washed and saved. And it's not of works. It's not you being a good person. You know, we go out on the streets and sometimes we'll talk to people and we'll ask them, well, when you die, do you think you're going to go to heaven? And a lot of times they say, yeah, I think I'm going to go. And and we ask them, well, why do you think you're going to go to heaven? And they always say, well, because I'm a good person. You know, I haven't done anything heinous, no crimes, no murder, things like that. I'm a pretty good person. And maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian and you think, well, because you're a pretty good person that you're going to go to heaven. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that there is none good, no, not one. You know, and you know, I know some of you are in one sense, you know, relatively speaking, you're good and upright citizens and you do good things, but you're not good enough. And if you trust in your own righteousness, you will not enter into the kingdom of God. If you trust in religion, you won't go to heaven because that doesn't save you. What saves us is the cross of Jesus Christ where he died for our sins, where he shed his blood because of the love that he has for us, that he made a way, that he gives a gift. And that gift is salvation to anyone who would receive that love. And so for many of us here today as Christians, that's exactly what you've done. You have placed your faith in Jesus Christ. And so you are free. You are forgiven of all your sins, past, present, future. And when you die, you're going to heaven because of what God has done for you. You see, and that's the gospel. That's the good news that you don't have to stand on your head that you don't have to jump through hoops, that you don't have to go through certain ceremonies, but you just have to place your life into God's hands, trusting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's the good news. And for many of us here who continue to mess up from time to time, I'm just so grateful that I'm going to heaven because of what he's done. And I've given my life to him. But, but now what? Now what do you do? If you're here today and you're a Christian, what do you do from here? Well, you know, Romans chapter 1 through 11 tell us about the doctrine, but the rest of the book tells us about our duty. 
Romans 1 through 11 tell us what we should believe, but now God tells us how we should behave. Romans 1 through 11, they give us our creed, but Romans 12 through 16 now give us our conduct. And so now as Christians, how can we live the life? How can you be a godly man or a godly woman? How can you live a life that you were made to live, a life with purpose, a life that which you were knit together in your mother's womb to live, to make a difference in this world. How can you live this life? And Romans 1 and 2, they give us the bridge that connect these two concepts. You got to know Romans 12, 1 through 2. It's so important. And that's why we look at it more in depth. Last week, we studied verse 1. In which Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I I beg you, Paul says, I'm pleading with you, imploring, urging you that by the mercies of God, because of what God has done for us and not giving us what we deserve, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now, since God has done such a tremendous work in saving us and dying for us and making us now Christians. Now, the next step in our journey is to present our bodies as living sacrifices from head to toe, every leg, every loin, my lips, everything belonging to God, every thought, every word, every decision, every action, everything presenting it to him. Finally and formally and faithfully saying, God, I know I'm a short guy. I'm only five, seven and a half, Lord. And I know I'm a little overweight. And Lord, I've got this blemish and that blemish. And I've got all these things about me that really aren't that great. But Lord, I give my body to you. That everything that I see and hear and do and touch and handle, that everything is sanctified for you. You see, that's what Christians are supposed to do. Sexually to God, verbally to God, intellectually to God, everything for God. He says that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, he says, and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. You know, I know it sounds a little archaic and you may think I'm a little old fashioned, but the Bible says you have to be holy. That you got to set your life apart and live for the Lord. Are you a holy roller, Manny? Yeah, I'm a holy roller, man. I want to be anyways. I want to be set apart for the Lord, and you should be too. You trying to tell me that God wants to take over every area of your life every day? Come on. I already give him Sundays. That's not enough. You got to give God everything. Every day, every night, it all belongs to him. You are to be, we are to be living sacrifices. And what that means is that we are supposed to be dead men to our own agenda and alive to his. We are to be dead to our own desires and alive to his. Jesus said, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So does that mean that I go to Home Depot and I get a couple of beams, some four by eights, you know, cut them up and carry my cross across the country? 
No, not necessarily, unless God tells you to. I mean, I guess that would be kind of fun. But no, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is that you die to yourself and you live to God from now on, you guys. It's very simple. And so even in that, though, some might say, well, how do you do that? And I think verse 2 really gives us a lot of insight in how to do that. Because look what he says there in verse 2. He says, and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This is it right here. If you can do this, you will be the man that God wants you to be. If you can do this, if you can get a grip on this, you will be the woman that God wants you to be. It doesn't matter how old you are. I know some of you here are young people and you're thinking, well, no, not me. I'm just a high schooler. Or maybe you're even a a junior higher or a colleger. I don't know where you're at. You're an older person. This applies to all of us. This is the way that God gives us the way that we are to succeed. And he says, first of all, there's a red light. Secondly, there's a green light. First, there's a stop. Then there's a go. First, there's a negative And then there's a positive. Very, very simple. And the first thing he says is this. Do not be conformed to this world. In the Greek language, he literally says, stop it. Stop doing this. He says, man, you got to stop being conformed to this world. The word means to fashion. And that's what's going on, you guys. The world is telling you what to do. A lot of young people think, oh, you know what? I'm doing whatever I want to do. I got, you know, the freedom. I'm the captain of my own ship. And they don't realize that they are just following the fashion of the world. Not just the young people, though. Many of us here are being conformed into this world. You know, this Greek word is also used in 1 Peter 1.14. If you write that down, you can check it later, where the Bible says, as obedient children... Not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. Don't go back to the way you used to be. Don't go back to the way the world is. You go forward. Don't be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. It's a wasted life. But be filled with the Spirit. Why would we go back? Well, I saw the commercial and the guys are all getting drunk and they're having a good time. I saw the commercial and all these people are partying and look at he's got the girl. They're molding you into their image. They're making you do what they want you to do. You know, we really need to understand the reality of what's going on, the reality of our existence. You know, the Greek word for world is the word aeon and it refers to the satanic system of the age. You know, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, that Satan is the God of this age, the God of this world. In John chapter 12, verse 31, Jesus called him the ruler of this world. In other words, the way it works is this. For a time and to a point, Satan is allowed to tempt and to try us in order to influence us for evil according to his will. And because the world that we live in has, generally speaking, rejected God, this planet that we live on is perverse and poisonous. 
That's the world that we live in. Everywhere you walk, it's poison ivy. Everywhere you walk, it's poison. And that's why we need to walk circumspectly. We inhabited a world that is very wicked. And so what's going on is this wicked world through so many things is trying to squeeze us into its mold. And if you're not careful, you'll become moldy Christians. And that's what you've got to be careful of, man. Who do you want to fashion you? If you could visualize yourself as a piece of clay, and there you are in the potter's wheel. Okay, there you are. And we know we're not much. We're worth $2.50 worth of raw chemicals. We're not much. We're dirt. We came from ashes, and to ashes we shall return from a physical standpoint. We're not much. A lump of clay. You put it on the potter's will. But here's the thing. You've got two choices to influence you. You've got two choices to make you and to mold you and to fashion you. One is God. The other is the devil. Which would you choose? Wouldn't you want God to be the one holding you? Wouldn't you want God to be the one fashioning you? Wouldn't you want God to be the one working in your life? Well, the way that that happens is, first of all, you've got to refuse the conformity that the world is trying to bring you to. You know, they try to tell you how to dress and what to buy and where to go and what to do. You know, and that's fine. You know, if you want to wear Hollister, that's fine. And if you think that Best Buy is the best buy, it's probably a good deal, you know. (laughs) If you want to go on to Hawaii on vacation like everybody else, that's fine. Just take me with you. That's all (laughs) I require, you know. (laughs) And if you're one of those, I'm sure there's not anybody here, but there might be a few that like to text message. be careful what you text message you parents monitor your children in that you know it's like letting them go into a room and talk to somebody all by themselves be careful but if you want a text message okay that's fine but you know what we need to be so very careful because not only does the world want to tell us you know what to dress like and where to go and what to buy and what to do they want and here's where it gets dangerous they want to teach us what to think And that is where we need to draw the line, you guys. Because the bottom line is, many, many Christians are not thinking the way that they should. And the great sins in the church today, the distractedness, the greediness, the laziness, I mean, you know, all those things are all rooted in worldliness. We are not marching to a different drummer. The whole world is like going down this river of unrighteousness and we're paddling there right along with them when by the power of the Holy Spirit, we should be going against the flow and up this stream. I mean, it can happen in subtle ways. It can happen in deep and dark ways. I mean, even if you think about it, the clothes that we wear, you're thinking, well, I don't wear Hollister. Uh, you know, and I, I, to be honest with you, I like the way Hollister fits. So don't think that, you know, uh, I'm coming against Hollister. I don't have any Hollister. But anyways, you know, but, but think about this, okay? Why don't you wear the same shirt today that you wore yesterday? Well, some of you do. <laughs> How many of you do, please? Okay, some of you do. I know I used to do that. I had a favorite shirt. That's, we're going to buy Robert a new shirt. <laughs> Most of us don't. You know, we're like, oh, I can't wear that again next Sunday because I wore that last Sunday. Who cares? 
You ladies are like, oh, I wore that top in the last dinner. I can't wear it in the next dinner. I need a new dress. Why? You don't. But we do it. Why? Because that's the standard of the world that we live in. I used to love it when I worked at Vaughn's. Man, I used to wear my same uniform. It was so cool. But now I've got, oh, what am I going to wear? Did I wear that last week? Probably. <laughs> but there are subtle ways. There are satanic ways in which the world pours us into their mold. And we have to be so careful about all these things, man, that the American dream becomes the Christian's downfall. And the worldly influences can come from many angles, you guys. I mean, I'm going to share some things with you, and this is not an exhaustive list, but I have a feeling I'm going to make some enemies today. But if you hate me, remember, I love you, okay? And my desire is to please the Lord. As a shepherd, you have to bark. Because there are things out there that are just destroying our families. You know, and a couple of areas that you need to be real careful are is television and teachers. I'm going to share that with you guys, you know, because so many people are out there and the things that are on television are by no means edifying. They are destroying your little kids. I hear some of these little kids come in here and, you know, I haven't identified any of you parents yet, but they tell me about some of the television shows that they watch that are total garbage, total garbage. And you parents are like not only not monitoring what they watch, you're not monitoring what you watch. There are things on TV, and you've got to admit it, that are just so anti-Christ. Television is a major influence. And what ends up happening? These kids start, you know, acting out the things that they see. Your eyes, Jesus said, if your eyes are good, your whole body's good. But if your eyes are bad then your whole body is filled with darkness. Let your eyes be good. The Bible says, don't let anything wicked be set before your eyes. Television is being used by the enemy in a tremendous way to even mold Christians into their image. It's an awful thing. Not only television, teachers, the public school system. And this is a real heavy thing that I want to share with you guys today. I have to share with you because I know what's being taught out there in a lot of the public schools. Not every teacher is bad, but the curriculum is. And the bottom line is this. If you can, my encouragement to you is you teach your kids. If you can, you homeschool them or you send them to a Christian school. And I know not everybody can. So if you can't, please don't feel condemned today. God has a plan for you. But this is my encouragement to you. Pray that God would bring you to the point that you can. Make the decisions that you need to make in life so that you can maybe one day. Think about this. And I know it's a very radical concept, but think about this. If God would bring you as a parent one day to where you raise your children. Sounds radical, huh? (laughs) But to where you get to spend time with them, to where you get to pour into them, to where you as the one who loves them like no one else loves them would be able to teach them God's ways and God's worldview even from a little kid or whatever age it might be. That's so important because as we continue to go down this corridor of time, Things are going to get worse and worse. 
And the teachers are influencing our children. And some of them are not very good teachers. And the television is influencing our children. Another major influence in society today is music and movies, huh? I mean, I would have to say that music and movies are two other influences that can be very destructive. Now, don't get me wrong, you guys. I'm not one of those guys that, you know, thinks that all secular music is a satanic influence, okay? I mean, you know, I don't believe in backward masking and, you know, there's a hidden message in there. You know, I'm not like that. You know, as a matter of fact, if you were to look at my iPhone, you'd probably see Paul McCartney on there. And you'd be thinking, oh, the pastor's listening to Paul McCartney, you know, and you're thinking it's bad. But no, I'm not like that. You know, he's got a couple of cool love songs that Shelly and I dance to, okay? And it's good for our marriage, man. Obviously, they're slow because I could do nothing else. (laughs) But I'm not weird like that, you know? I remember one time even I got into a really uh, prominent pastor's uh, car, and it's not raw, okay, so don't think it's raw, but anyways, I was hanging out with him, and I was tripping out, like, this guy loves the Lord, he loves the Word, he teaches the Word, it's incredible, but he's listening to sacred music, I'm like, <gasps> when, I, when I got in, I'm like, whoa, it's like, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I went to the concert last night, and I'm like, oh, okay, doesn't mean that that in and of itself makes it right, but here's the thing, what we need to do is, when it comes to music and movies, is we need to scrutinize them, what's the message? What is the message that you're allowing your kids to listen to, that you're listening to? You know, but music and movies can be real negative influences. You need to be so careful. I never, I never go to a movie unless I screen it and I find out exactly what it's about. What, what uh, are the words? What's the language? What's the theme? Because I want to put those things in. What, what garbage in garbage out right you are what you eat you eat you know fruit you're going to be fresh and fruity rooty tooty you're going to be a good christian man if you eat greasy food you're going to be greasy i mean this is the way that it works right and if you have a good biblical diet you will be healthy if you eat junk food you're going to be a junkie you are what you eat and you can't get around it And that's why you have to discipline yourself not to be conformed to this world. The teachers, the television, the movie, the music, the books, the newspapers, the magazines, the friends. I mean, it goes on and on. All the influences that would influence you for evil. God says, stop. Red light. Don't allow that. Stop it. And then he gives the positive. He says there in verse 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, it's amazing what the world does to us, you guys. Not only do they tell us what to look at, they tell us how to look. I don't know if you guys noticed that or not. You know, they tell you, hey, if you want to be a real man, you should have a chiseled chest, bionic biceps, man. That's what you, if you want to be a real woman, you know what? Have some big lips and some white teeth, really white teeth, man. And that's what the world says, you know, all these things that they tell us what 
to do. They even say, hey, you've got to weigh a certain weight. You can serious. You can go online. You can tell them how old you are, male, female, and they'll tell you how much you should weigh. And I'm thinking, man, Shelly, what about the love handles that we need, you know? Come on. <laughs> they don't factor in the love handles. <laughs> and you're thinking, Manny, they want you to be healthy. Okay, listen, here's the thing. We need to be healthy. Okay, fine. But mainly on the inside. Are you healthy on the inside? That is what God cares about most. It's what's, not what's going on on the inside, not the outside. Now, I remember reading a story about a little girl who went to a carnival. She went to a fair, and as soon as she got through the door, she ran to the, the, the booth that sold the cotton candy. And she said, Daddy, Daddy, I want four cotton candies. I want two blue and two pink. And her dad said, Sweetheart, I mean, you can't do that. That's not good for your little tummy. And she said, Daddy, I might be small on the outside, but I'm big on the inside. <laughs> And you know what? You might be small on the outside and you might not look a certain way or, you know, you might not have it all together according to the standards of the world and you might not be as big and buff and all that stuff and whatever the world's standards are. But when God looks at you, he doesn't see that. When God looks at you, he sees what's going on on the inside. The world is telling you so many things. And they airbrush all the photos of the way that you're supposed to look. Please, don't be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your minds. This is what God wants for us. And what that means is that God wants to work on the inside. God wants to meddle with the middle. God wants to handle the heart. And God wants to truly, totally change your life. He wants to really change you. You know, we have to be so careful. The world that we live in today, and, you know, there's a couple of things that are going on, you know, that are current issues. You know, a while back, the world was saying that, you know, it's all objective truth. It was the modernist. It was the scientist. And they said, we won't believe in anything unless you show me the empirical evidence. And they wanted the external, objective, you know, scientific view. And that was called the Age of Enlightenment. And a lot of Christians fell away from the Lord during that time. That was what they dealt with in the world back then. Now we've come to a point, we're not modernists, but we're postmodernists. We're postmodern. We come to a point now where not only do we say, hey, listen, I won't believe it unless I see it. We come to a point now where we say there's nothing to believe. There's no such thing as truth. It's all subjective. And that's why we have to fight it tooth and nail and go against the grain of society that we live in. Here we see the Lord wants to change us, you guys. He wants to change us from the creepy crawling caterpillar that you are (laughs) to the beautiful biblical butterfly. That's what I call it. I know I'm weird, but you know what, man? God wants to do a total transformation. A church that's not just a church, but a church that is changed. Are you different? Are we different? Are we more like Christ? Here, the word renew, it speaks of renovation. It's a complete change for the better. 
it speaks about a continuous process through which man becomes more fully like Christ. And what God wants to do is to change our mind. He wants to change our way of thinking. Now, for some of you ladies, changing your mind is a little easier than for some of us guys here, right? (laughs) But the bottom line is the work that God wants to do is to wash our minds. You know, the world says just do it. And they're ruled by their bodies and by their emotions. The Lord says, no, let your thoughts, your words, your daily decisions be ruled by the book of the Bible, not your bodies, by convictions, not emotions, by faith and not feeling. You see, when the child of God seriously surrenders to the spirit of God, he will teach us the word of God and we will know the will of God. You see, and that's how it works. He says, here, it's the red light, and here's the green light. Here's the way that it works. It's very simple. Don't be conformed to this world, you guys. Because if that ends up happening, you're going to get off track. But, on the contrary, be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. That you may prove, that you may know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, what that good and acceptable and perfect will of God is. And that's the way it works. You remember when Jesus was in the garden? He was there and he said, Lord, if it's your will, let this cup pass from me. And he prayed that prayer three times so hard that he was sweating drops of blood. But do you remember what Jesus said in the end? But not my will, but thy will be done. And that's the way it's supposed to work in our life as well. We don't just do what we want to do. We do what God tells us to do. And the way that that happens is that, hey, I'm not going to be conformed to this world, man. You're not going to give me that peer pressure. You're not going to push me into that place of poison. No, not conformed to this world, but I choose rather to be transformed. Lord, change me. Lord, I, you know, I hate the person that I am sometimes. And so, Lord, you take over And you empower me. You change the way that I think, Lord. You teach me your word, Lord, so that I will know from this day forward what your will is for my life. And as God teaches you his word and his will, let me tell you something, man. You will be blessed by the Lord in such a tremendous way. For the church, it's a huge issue. It's a stop and go. It's the yes and no of Christianity. It's so important. It's the basic building blocks of making this bridge over the Grand Canyon. Would you be willing to present your body as a living sacrifice? Totally to the Lord. Holy, acceptable. What you really should be doing. It's your reasonable service. Well, if so, here's what God says. Don't be conformed to this world, man. Don't let them dictate your decisions. No, on the contrary, you be transformed. How? By continuing to study this word. I know I've said it a million times, but I will say it a million more until the day that I die, that this is God's word. It's the Holy Bible in which he tells us how to live life. And it's so cool that you guys would be willing even to come to a church that just teaches you the Bible. 
Nothing fancy schmancy here, huh? There's not. You're like, no, there's not. There's nothing <laughs> fancy here, nothing funny here, really. It's just the Bible. But this right here is exactly what we need in order for God to change our life. There's two types of people in here. There's the thermostats and there's the thermometers. Which are you? Are you a thermometer? Are you just one of those people that just kind of reflects what the temperature is on the outside? Or are you a thermostat? Are you an individual who has such a strong conviction? You believe in God, you love God, and you know his word. That you are used by God to change the temperature in this world that we live in. Man, I pray you would be a thermostat and not a thermometer. I pray that you would be a non-conformer, but you and I would be a transformer and that God would use our life for his glory. You know, the Lord is doing a tremendous work here, you guys. He really is. I mean, the people that are getting baptized today, man, I think about each and every one and the testimonies that they have and my heart just melts. When I think about the work the Lord is doing in the Spanish ministry, in the men's ministry, in the women's ministry, in the marriage ministry, it is an amazing thing. I mean, God is doing a work even in the church, you know, and we're, we're praying, Lord, what's the next step? You know, and sometimes you can, yeah, well, what about this and what about that and another building and all these things, you know, that cross through our mind. And, and the Lord just, you know what? He teaches me, Manny, it's okay to think about those things. But please understand, please understand, the most important thing, and God will take care of the rest, is that you, you, not the person next to you, not the person in front of you or behind you, you focus on the Lord and on your personal and intimate relationship with him. He loves you so much and he wants to change you. I wonder if there are any here today who want God to change them. Anybody? I wonder. Go ahead and raise your hand. The person next to you, tickle the person who raised their hand. <laughs> Tell them, you know what? If you are willing, God said, to the one who asked for healing, if you are willing, and it will happen. Isn't that awesome? It's so cool. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for allowing us, Lord God, to be that clay in the potter's hands. Father, even after 20 years of being a Christian, there are still so many things that I cry out for you to change in my heart. For all of us here, Lord, I know there are things in our life that we need your uh, your work, your hand, your workmanship in the potter's will. And so, Lord, today as we study your word, we choose, Lord, to present our bodies as living sacrifices. Lord, we choose not to be conformed to this world. But today we desire to be transformed, to be changed by the renewing of our mind, the way that we think. Lord, as you teach us your word. So that, Lord, we can go out and, and reach the lost. So that we can influence our family, our children, our wife, our husband. That everyone you bring into our path 
would know that there's a man, there's a woman who loves God. They really love God. And they love me. Change us. Lord, we don't want to just continue on the the road of religion. We go and we meet. We go home and we do this and that. We really want to bring you glory and honor. So Lord, I pray by your Holy Spirit that you would work in our hearts. Do a new work, Lord, we pray. Raise up a church that is changed. And just with every eye closed and every head bowed, just in case, you know, I don't know, but just in case there is anyone here today who's not a Christian. I don't know if you know this, but God loves you so much. And he brought you here today just to tell you that. And I don't know if today is the day for you, but It can be. If you want to give your life to the Lord, if you want to follow Jesus, if you want to go to heaven when you die and not hell, if you want God to forgive all of your sins, it's a free gift that he offers to you. And all you have to do is receive it today. And so just in case there are any here today, if you want to receive Christ as your Lord and your Savior, right where you're at, just raise your hand right where you're at and we're going to pray for you. Anyone here, don't be afraid. This is what it's all about, you guys. Maybe you've drifted from the Lord and and you know you need to come back to him. Well, you need to take that step. He says, you take one step, and I'll take all the rest, but you need to take that step. Right where you're at, just raise your hand. We're going to pray for you. Anyone here? Oh, Lord, I thank you so much, Father, for the work that you're doing, Lord. Just pray you would continue the work, Lord. I Just rejoice, Father, today in your love and your grace in our life. Continue, Lord, to have mercy on us. May you bless the balance of the day, Lord, as the shepherd's school, the baptism, the service tonight. Lord, may everything we do bring you glory and honor. Thank you so much for your beautiful church, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.